This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Will Robles and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. All right, what's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show with your boys, Jonathan and Will. Um, right now, it is June 20th, approximately 1027 p.m., the Brooklyn Nets, we're still in the first round of the NBA draft. The Brooklyn Nets are on the clock right now with the 27th pick. But before we get to the draft, uh, let's just address a couple things. First of all, thank you to the guys that came out to Buffalo Wild Wings tonight to hang out with us. Uh, Will had to work, unfortunately, but um, I was there. My wife was there, my mother, my baby. Um, just thanks to all the guys that came out, some of the you know usual guys, and we had a few new guys come out. Um, Shout out to my boy Vitor, a 10-year-old kid who got his dad to bring him out to the draft party. It was really nice meeting you, man. Um, just cool to see you know different generations of Magic fans, some young, some old. Uh, just really great time. Thank you guys for, for coming out. We've mentioned this a couple times you know, over the, the past couple weeks, but we did start a new website, thesixmanshow.com. If you guys haven't checked that out, please go and do that. Um, this week, we do have another special guest. Uh, Greer Love from Lennox Partners, better known as the agent, friend, mentor of Mo Bamba. We brought him on the show this past Monday, obviously before the draft. Uh, just talked to him about what it's like to to be you know, Mo Bamba's agent, kind of what he does on the day-to-day. Uh, we do have a little bit of a health update on Mo, so if you listen to the end of the show, uh, you'll, you'll hear that as well from Greer. So thank you for him you know, coming on the show, taking the time out. We really appreciate that. Will... The first round of the NBA draft is almost over. Chuma Okiki. Yeah. Um, can't say I'm super excited. Um, didn't really know who he was. Right. He wasn't really on our on our radar at all. For yeah, for the you know, for for a pick. So, you know, it's just we you know, do a little bit more research, find out more about who the guy is and you know, in, in Weltham we trust. In Weltham we trust. I'm I'm wearing the six man shirt uh tonight. Find yours at the six man show dot com slash shop. Uh shameless plug. I did like a Twitter live broadcast um right after I left Buffalo Wild Wings tonight driving home. And and what I said was this just goes to show that none of us have any idea what the hell we're talking about when it comes to drafting these guys, who we're gonna draft, who's a good fit, whatnot. I mean I said on that broadcast that I'd never heard heard of this kid before, but then I realized that I was watching the North Carolina game um, against Auburn in the um, national uh, championship tournament when Okiki tore his ACL. I remember that game because Auburn just could not miss from three, especially in that second half. Um, but, yeah, no mock draft. I'm in a, a few, like, uh, group chats on um, Twitter where guys are always talking about you know, draft prospects and, and college players and this and that. This guy's name never came up, not even one time. This is just completely out of left field. I'm sure we'll hear more from uh, John Hammond and Jeff Weltman either tonight or possibly even tomorrow uh, behind the reasoning behind this pick, behind the logic of the pick. How many power forwards do we need? You know, this guy seems like a guy that could be like a 3 and D guy, but is a guy that we're not going to see for the entire year with a torn ACL 12 points, 6.8 rebounds last year, shot 38.7% from the three point line. So, I mean, good size, everything that I've heard of him, honestly, I haven't even, I just literally walked in the door. I haven't had a chance to look at his highlights or anything like that. Um, but the one thing that I will say, and I'm sure that you agree with me is like, this is our guy now. Yes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker was there. Everybody that was at that Buffalo Wild Wings party wanted him. Um, you and I talked about you know, wanting him. A lot of people, I mean, Phil from Locked On Magic and Orlando Magic Daily, he talked about wanting Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and he was right there, and it was like, man. But isn't this what we talked about, how like every year we get excited about a guy and then it's never that guy? Yeah. Like, even, even if that guy is there, like... You could, I'm telling you, man, with the 16th pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Orlando Magic Select, like you could hear a pin drop, and then like we were just ready to explode, and then 
Chuma Okiki, and it's just like, huh? Like, yeah, because it's you're also thinking it's going to be a player that we talked about too. Like, if it wasn't Alexander, then it was going to be um, Porter Junior. Porter Junior. Or anybody, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, man, like this guy is somebody that we did, we didn't know that you know he was even going to be an option. I know Jay Bill has had him going 37. Yeah, that's know, not even in the top. Now Mike Schmidt, um, you know, of Draft Express and all that stuff. He said this was the steal of the draft. I yeah. mean, for a guy that's not going to play for an entire year, that's that's a lofty statement. And I I trust I trust you know Mike Schmidt. I used to watch all their draft. Express breakdowns every year. Now that they're with ESPN, I don't think they do you know nearly as good of a job as those breakdowns. But if he says it, and you know, Weltham thinks this is you know the guy, then we, then we got to trust it. Yeah. But before we get too much into talking about uh, Chuma here, um, I mean the first three picks of the, of the draft really not too many surprises. Zion, Ja, R.J. Barrett. Uh, now, like this number four pick was traded to the Pelicans, and now I think it's the Hawks that have DeAndre Hunter. Am I getting that correct? Yeah, so it went, it went to the Pelicans, and then the Pelicans traded it to the Hawks. And then we've got Darius Garland at five to Cleveland, which is like, uh, what is he going to play shooting guard? Because I don't think Colin Sexton can really play off of the ball. Jarrett Culver at six is he's going to Minnesota. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Phoenix traded six to um, Minnesota for 11 and Dario Saric. So Jarrett Culver is going to the Timberwolves. And then Kobe White to Chicago, which I think is a pretty good fit. Jackson Hayes. And then this is the guy that I was terrified that was going to fall to us. And I just screamed, thank you, when Washington took Rui Hachimura. Oh, yeah. This is this is a team that doesn't have any front office staff. Well, they don't have a GM. They don't have a president of basketball operations. This is basically like, like their interim GM, head coach, or their owner making this pick, which to me like is just like such the perfect Washington Wizards pick, and that's not a good thing. So that was for me. That was like the first what of the draft. Yeah, I mean, and then who who else do we have? We had uh, Langford going to the Celtics. I thought that was a really good pickup. And then Harold going to the Heat. Yeah, they're. I think they're probably going to be expecting him to be Devin Booker, and I don't think he's Devin Booker. No. And then Cameron Johnson at eleven. I mean, that pick's end up going to end up going to the Suns, but that was that felt like a reach. That was like a whoa. Yeah. And then. P.J. Washington to Charlotte, and then 15, Saku Dumboya, or however you say this guy's name, it's like, oh, my God, Nikel is going to be right there. So we end up with Chuma. Chuma. I mean, I'm I'm just really excited for tomorrow to see what John and, and Jeff, you know, say about this pick. Yeah, and honestly, like, if they don't say much, I wouldn't be surprised, like, you know, with the Fultz situation, like, they like to keep our the players that are hurt, you know, keep their the rehab and, and just, like, details under wraps. So I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get too much information, you know. I don't, I don't think we're going to get too much information about his injury per se, but I just want, like, the logic behind the pick. Well, I'm, I'm sure they'll give us some logic behind the pick. I'm just – I don't think they'll go into all this detail about reasoning behind – like, you know what I'm saying? Like – They'll they'll right. explain a bit about why they drafted him, like um, what he can contribute to the team. But to go into real, real, real detail on, you know, what they expect from him when he comes back, I don't think they're gonna do that. Right at this point. Right, right before we right before we got on here, I saw a tweet that said something to the effect of, Mo Bamba has a broken leg. Markel Fultz has a messed up shoulder, and now we just draft a guy that just had ACL surgery. We look like a rehab facility. Yeah. Like, man. I mean, I'm excited for the potential of the player, but I I just don't – I don't understand the logic at at that point, at this point, and that is what is really holding me back from being excited about this pick. That and I – there's just so much about him that I don't know. As of right now, 
All I know right now are his numbers from last year, and I know that I saw the game that he tore his ACL. I literally know nothing else about him right now. Yeah. I mean, and we'll we'll see what, what the plan is once, you know, free agency starts and what the rest of the team is going to gonna look like going right. into the season. Right now it's pretty early, so we don't, like, we have no idea what's going to happen once July starts. So right. who knows if we get if we get if we get D'Lo, um, if Vooch and, and Ross leave, if they stay, like there's so much that's up in the air right now. So, you know, to Magic fans that are worried about this pick, I mean, it's not the pick we all wanted, but we we don't know what the future holds, um, and we don't know how well this guy's gonna come back from this injury. Like, you know, he might shock, shock us all. So. Let's see. We'll wait and see what happens when he comes back. The only thing is, the only bad part is that, you know, he's hurt. So we we can't see him for at least, you know, maybe. Summer league of next we might, year. Yeah, we might see him this year. I doubt we'll see him, but. No, if, we, if, if he comes back, it's at the very end of the season or in the playoffs, and I don't think they just throw a rookie into that situation. Yeah. I mean, it, it just depends. Like, if, if we're in the playoff line, do we get him some minutes in there? If we're not in the playoff hunt, do we get him some minutes just so his he he sees how the NBA is? You know, a couple minutes here and there. Um, it I mean, depends where we're gonna be. It's just what sucks is that you know we have that 16th pick. We use it on a guy that's not gonna be playing anytime soon, and we have to wait a whole year to see where he's at and how he's accustomed to the team. So it's tough. Right. Well, the thing that that you and I, you know, we've mentioned a few times is that we knew at 16 that we weren't picking a guy to be the guy. We we were picking a guy to, you know, come off the bench, give us some depth, be a a decent role player. And I think if this kid is healthy, he is 100% going to be a decent role player at the very least. The other thing is, you know, if we don't bring Jarrell Martin back this year, I mean, maybe maybe now we do on like a one-year deal or something like that. But we need like a long term option as as far as you know backup you know shooting uh, excuse me small forward power forward. So this is a guy that at the very least is going to fill that. And then I mean maybe he's a guy that eventually turns into like our our sixth man or or something like that. So once again, just want to hear the log- logic behind the pick, but it's not a wasted pick. I don't think it's the craziest thing ever. It's just a little puzzling is what I think most of us would say. Now, some people are, you know, ready to burn the Amway down to the ground. They think this is the worst pick ever. And I mean, to me, it's a little premature to say that to, you know, at the, at the very least, but um, yeah, man, just, I don't know about you, but I think the, the one word that really sticks out is just, it's just a puzzling pick. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. So, um, like I said, you know, we just see what happens. I know from watching his highlights a little bit, he can space the floor. He can play. He plays D. He can see the open court. Um, he's got a good, good uh, court vision. He can pass. So, and he can, you know, it's it. From what I've seen, he's everything that I wanted in a player. You know, a right. guy that can attack the basket, can shoot, um, can create his own shot. So we just gotta wait and see what happens. I mean, it, we don't we don't know for sure if it's a bad pick. Like you said, it's puzzling, you know, and it's not somebody that was on our radar. But you know, we just gotta wait and wait for the guy to play. For the only sure, thing man. is now we gotta wait months a and year. months and knowing how they they handle Fultz and stuff. It's just it's another guy that is is on the shelf for who knows how long. Right. So. Well, I think what the good news is, you know, like we've been talking about Clay, is that most guys nowadays, the ACL, it's yeah, you're out for a while, but it's really no big deal. You you come back from it, you're fine. You're every bit of the guy that you were before. I mean, look at Zach Levine, that guy's still jumping out of the gym after tearing his ACL. So, I don't think we have to worry about his health necessarily. You know, it's just gonna be how he adapts to the speed of the NBA and you know how he kind of fits in with the team, but. For the Magic fans that are out there, you know, boo-hooing and saying how much they hate this pick, I mean, just just pump the brakes. It's it's way too early to be talking like that. Don't be so negative. Um, yeah, we're a little bit confused by this pick too, but this guy is our guy now. And if you're not 
you know, come opening night or whatever, if you're not rooting for every single guy that's on this roster, like find another team. So, and that that goes that goes for everything. I know a lot of people were hoping to move on from Evan Fournier tonight. Um, there's a lot of people that are looking to move on from from Vooch, and that's all you know. Good. Well, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but once the decisions are made, the decisions are made. Like it, you either root for the team or you don't. So that's really all I'll say about that. Will, do you have anything else to say about this this pick or this draft before we wrap this up and uh, we'll get to the Greer Love interview? No, all I all I you know all I'm saying is we just gotta wait and see. You know, wait and see, and let's see what happens and what the team looks like uh, come October, and you know, hope for the best. But right now, it's like you said, it's puzzling, but we just gotta stick with it. For sure, man. All right, well, uh, then we won't waste any more time. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll fire up the uh, interview with Greer Love, the Mo Bamba uh, mentor slash agent. All right, Orlando Magic fans, so without further ado, uh, we do have our boy Greer Love live on the Six Man Show. Greer, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, man, we're, we're so excited. We can't overstate that. Um, we were talking a couple minutes ago off the air. What exactly, like, in pertaining to Mo, I, like, most of what we know about you, and I think what most people um, listening to the show will know about you, comes from that Ringer article um, that, you know, obviously the Ringer put out right before Mo was drafted last year, where it kind of yep. goes in to talk a little bit about, like, what your guys' relationship, but, like, the things that you handle on a day-to-day basis with Mo. Can you Can you talk a little bit more to that? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, most of what I do is trying to take as much off of Mo's plate as humanly possible so that he can focus on basketball and, and his body and his nutrition and sort of maximize everything on, on the court. Because uh, nothing, you know, nothing else really matters if, if he's not on the court and right. performing to the best of his ability. So whether that's, you know, the traditional agent work and you know, looking at some of his endorsement contracts or, you know, obviously his contract with the league, which was, pretty straightforward on a rookie deal um, or just, you know, some of the financial uh, management tools where, you know, here's here's a 21-year-old who's now a, a, an overnight multimillionaire and how to be smart about all that <laughs> sort of thing and how to how to get acclimated in the new city, what's what's buying a home look like, what's buying a car, you know, do I buy it, do I lease it, you know, you know for sure. decisions like that, um, you know, how do I how do I order a couch for my, my new condo, <laughs> you know, it, it, it goes pretty uh, pretty deep where you see even, hey, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm eating the right way and it makes sense to, to, to look into a meal drop service so that when I'm not up at the facility, I can get, you know, good high-density meals at home and continue to put on weight and that sort of thing. So it kind of spans the gamut. Uh, there's no, like, traditional day-to-day, um, you know, kind of job title, I guess you'd say. Um, but I, I try to, again, take as much off his, his quote-unquote life plate as possible so that he can uh, maximize everything for the team. Right, like you said, you're you're kind of a you wear different hats depending on the the day to day with Mo and you know kind of curtailing you know your job as far as you know what his needs are are going to be kind of on a on a given day. Um, but let's let's switch gears. Let's not you know let's not talk about Mo as much. We want to get to know more about you. So um, from what we read, once again, you know, in that article and a little bit, you know, try to do some research into you and um, found like your your like LinkedIn and stuff. But um, we know, I know that you grew up in Michigan, like around the Detroit area. Is that correct? Yeah, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan on the West side, uh, but spent okay. uh, several years in Detroit after, it, after grad school. If I'm not um, mistaken, isn't that where the DeVos family is from? They are, yeah. It's, right. Okay. It's, it's a small world and a highly coincidental world. I, yeah. uh, I, I, um, yeah, I grew up and, and we we knew the DeVos family and Grand Rapids. Obviously, they're they're unbelievable benefactors. Oh wow, that's awesome. Really, really kind of built, um, you know, kind of the modern Grand Rapids in terms of just where it's all gone since I was a kid and, and how how developed the city is, especially downtown with all the medical complexes and that sort of thing. And um, you know, went to school with. Some of their kids and, and, and know, um, know have gotten to know them better over the past few years, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, so that that is same hometown, and then um, and then uh, yeah, I did spend some time in Detroit as well. And then went on to um, I think it was Indiana for your undergraduate, and then Michigan for your um, for your masters. That's, a, that's exactly right. So Big Ten kind of all around, you know, Hoosiers undergrad and 
school, high right. for, for business school. So. so after that, then you were heavily, you know, involved in like the financial world. Like your that was your like um, primary career before you, you know, obviously. Uh, I think you, you wanted to, to, to get into, you know, more like giving back to the community. And that's when you started. Was it like a, a travel team or was it just like a community? I think it's the the Locks Lions. Yeah, that's exactly right. So b- between undergrad and grad school, I was I was in New York City um, doing the whole Wall Street investment banking thing. Uh, I was at Citigroup and then a smaller bank called Watchill Partners. Um, and that was right before the, the you know, the, the Great Recession of 2009, uh, which is not coincidentally when I went back to business school uh, when Wall Street wasn't the best place to be. Um, so um, the year before I went back to school, you know, teaching and tutoring and that sort of thing has always been a big part of my life. Um, I was a student athlete tutor for all, all my years at Indiana University. I always felt like I connected well with with the athletes and, you know, translating X's and O's in the classroom and to, to the field right. or vice versa and using those sorts of analogies. Um, you know, just growing up playing sports too. So um, I wanted to start a program that was kind of similar to my experience at Indiana with, um, uh, you know, in, in Harlem and uh, got to know a, a principal at, at the school there, Susan Green, at, at, at the public school 208, which just so happened to be where, where Mo went to uh, elementary school. Um, and so, um, you know, it was kind of 3, 3 p.m. to 4.30 when school got out. We did study tables for an hour and a half and then followed it with an hour and a half of basketball practice and um, networked with several other gym teachers in the in the area uh, and, you know, sort of generated interest in putting together a league where the kids would have a weekly competition. So that's that was kind of the, the genesis of, of all things. And uh, and one of the, the first players that you cut happened to be Mo Bamba. Yeah, that that is there is some truth to that. I know he's he's certainly told that story several times. He's still a little uh, salty about it. He, he is. Uh, he, he tells a, a slightly more dramatized version of it than than I tell. Um, the, the, the team that, that I initially started was for fifth graders only, um, but um, and he was in fourth grade at the time. So it wasn't it wasn't that I just looked at his skill set and was like, ah, this isn't good enough for the team. Um, but he kind of claims I cut him because I, I did actually allow one fourth grader, which, which happened to be his best friend at the time on the team, oh, man. Uh, wow. to play on the team. He, he had um, this other guy uh, had had some pretty um, unfortunate family circumstances, and, and you know I, the, the school principal sort of pulled me aside and said, "Hey, look, look, this is this is someone who, no matter what, you know, even if this is away from fifth grade, this is this is a guy who needs to be on the team. He needs that that extra structure." And so I obviously happy to accommodate that um and and he still to this day is Mo's best friend and he actually uh moved he was he was the one person that moved down here to Orlando with us and he's that's awesome he's now sort of my um you know my day-to-day logistics guy for all things Mo and and that's sort of thing so um it's crazy that the journey has been on but yeah Mo takes that as oh I, I I put his best friend on the team and not him and you know they were, they were walking home one day had this moment where he felt like he was cut and whatever but um the reality is it was uh, – the, the truth is somewhere in between. <laughs> well, I, I, I think – Whatever it needs to motivate him, you know, I want. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think these, you know, guys, like anybody that goes on to do great things, they look for motivation kind of in any spot they can find. So that that was kind of like his Michael Jordan, you know, getting put on the, the JV team at Looney High School, whatever it took to – to motivate him to, to get him to the next level. But I think it's amazing, you know, that, that you had the heart to, you know, go into a, a rough neighborhood and, and start a program like that to, to try to, you know, do, you know, good by, you know, younger, you know, you know maybe underprivileged kids. So that that's just a testament to, to you, you know, in, in the kind of character that, that you have. And then obviously, you know, your um, relationship with, with Mo kind of kind of grew from there. Um, and just talk a little bit more about that, like how, you know, over the years, how, you know, your and, and Mo's um, relationship, not just, you know, professionally, but but um, personally as well. You know, it, it seems if I'm not reading this correctly, please let me know. But it seems like there's kind of like a big brother aspect there. Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, you know, the, the whole goal when I went back to business school, this was in 2009, and, and you know, group texting, had, I mean, the iPhone had literally just come out and and you know group texting was just starting to be a thing and my whole goal was to keep these this group of 10 kids together as much as possible because 
in New York um, and in you know, several other very large cities, the, the guys you go to elementary school with are different uh, from the people you go to middle school with, and then you know, three years later you're making a whole new group of friends in, in high school. Right. So, you know, I don't know about where you guys grew up, but you know, some of my best friends I went to elementary school with, and we all went to you know there were three elementary schools. We went to one middle school and one high school in, in our city, um, and so um, it was kind of you, you had that continuity of friendship and relationships, um, and I just always felt that was really important uh, from just a support structure. And so it, it was really about keeping everyone together, and, and um, you know, I was fortunate that my job took me out to New York, even though I was working in Detroit after business school. You know, my job took me out to New York once every four to six weeks or so. Um, and so I'd, I'd always get the guys together, some subset of them, say, hey, let's go grab dinner, let's go grab a slice of pizza and catch up and just, right. you know, that sort of thing. And so um, just really keeping in touch with them and, and serving as, as much as I could to be, to be a good mentor. Um, you know, I think that led to, to building trust over time. Um, you know, it was more than just sort of, okay, this is a guy who coached me for a year or two and then he's on to the next thing. Um, you know, I think they saw that I kind of stuck with them throughout middle school and high school. Um, and so, you know, Mo's, uh, Mo obviously kept growing. It, it was funny because when Mo was on the team, he was probably the third best player. Uh, really? He was, second, he was the second tallest and probably the third best. And, well, you guys had a, you know, a few guys that went, like, Division One in other sports, right? We did. We, we were really lucky. Um, you know, one guy plays uh, plays basketball for the University of Richmond right now, uh, Solomon Carisi. Um, and then another guy, Eddie Lewis, he's uh, starting wide receiver for Rutgers. So, you know, two pretty well-known <laughs> programs, uh, you know, right. three D1 talent level guys. Um, and, and we had some other talented kids, too, uh, who, who, I mean, so you look at my coaching record, and it was great, but it was I really can't take much. That's what I was going to say. Like, the resume speaks for for itself. You're just better off kind of retiring and being like, well, you know, no big deal. That's exactly right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it all really comes down to that trust and um, you right. know, just kind of the, the leadership and mentorship that I that I helped uh, not only with Mo, but with the other guys. And it was something that Mo always really appreciated. And then, you know, sort of as his – stature elevated in, in, in high school and he kind of became what he ended up becoming um, and he had you know, a lot more on his plate and a lot more to manage and, and a lot of you know anybody in that situation any McDonald's All-American type player and even really the top you know 25 to 35 guys below you know All-American level you have so many considerations to navigate um, and there's yeah. 100 different people telling you on his things. And so yeah. um, you know, I think the goal was he, he knew that I, I knew at least enough about the industry and how it worked and had a few connections both on the college side and then, and then the NBA and, and could at least lean on smart, trustworthy, honest, straightforward people for good answers in terms of how to navigate and how to handle things when he was 15, 16, 17, 18. So, um, you know, it certainly wasn't all me, um, but I, I am pretty decent at finding uh, experts and, and sort of relaying you know, kind of what I think is, is the, the best course. So the expert really at finding experts. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's that's kind of how our, our relationship continue to grow, I'd say. So how was that transition from, from college to the NBA for, for you and for him, just learning everything? You know, it was, it was a lot of work. It kind of became my uh, my, my second job in, in a lot of ways and, and sort of my, my number one hobby. Um you know, people ask me sort of what, you know, hey, did you catch the football game the other night or whatever else? And I, I used to sort of split up my team time, you know, maybe 40% football, 40% basketball, and then the remaining 20%, some, you know, some split between tennis, golf, maybe a little bit of baseball. And now it's like 90 basketball and 10% <laughs> everything else, you know? like I, I can't imagine. Um, <laughs> so I've had, I've had to reallocate everything. Um, but, you know, it, it's it, – it, it's not it's not the world's worst job, right? I mean, it's it's you're you're reading a lot of there's there's so much good free information out there, whether it's yeah you know, some of the smart writers, uh, anybody right. you know, the, the Zach Lowe's of the world, Howard Beck's, all, all those guys who are just really excellent at what they do, um, and all of them have podcasts and they're you know Woj and all those guys. I mean, they're, they're interviewing really high level people, and if you if you religiously study that stuff and and just and, and follow it closely, I mean, you're going to be you can learn so much just kind of being self-directed that way and then following up and talking to the people that you know in the industry and, you know, just 
not being afraid to say, hey, I'm going to be in this city, you know, on these couple of days. Would you have me able to sit down and grab coffee and love to pick your brain on, you know, X, Y, or Z? Um, so, um, you know, that's that's kind of how the learning process went. But, yeah, it, it definitely was uh, time-consuming, and um, but, it, you know, it was a labor of love if it's, uh, you know, if you grew up, you know, loving that sport. So but basketball was always kind of my number one sport growing up, but um, it's now become, you know, a big part of my life. Really quick, we just want to throw you. You know, we said we we're going to throw you a couple curveballs here. What would you say is your favorite movie, Greer? Well, I, I just told you basketball is my favorite sport. So if I said anything other than Hoosiers, you probably would think I'm a, <laughs> yeah, an uh, Indiana guy, guy, right? Yeah, in, in Indiana, yeah. So I'd, I'd have to say Hoosiers. For me, growing up, the the number one basketball movie was always Coach Carter. It was actually just on cable the other day. Yeah. But I, I just anytime that for, yeah for me Coach Carter yeah, and, and Space Jam every time yeah yeah for, yeah <laughs> Space Jam for real too every every time one of those are on cable um you know definitely gotta gotta sit down you know grab the popcorn get that ready but yeah Hoosiers I actually just watched Hoosiers for the first time like two or three years ago been a basketball fan my entire life and uh, I mean you know we're only you know twenty five twenty six yeah. years old but. Uh, you know, some of these, you know, kind of things that are sometimes before your time, you have to kind of go back yourself and kind of coach yourself on. But, uh, but yeah, yeah who's your like it holds up, or did you feel like it was it had too much of the, you know, you know, an early '80s feel to it? No, I, I mean, I thought it held up, you know, no, really well. I mean, Gene Hackman, I mean, uh, he, he's in one of my favorite movies, The Replacement. So, um, actually, when I started watching that movie, I didn't even realize that Gene Hackman was in it. So I saw that, and I was like, oh, okay, this is. This is definitely something you know that I, that I can get into. No, but I I felt like it, it held up pretty well, and you know the the classic movies like that. You know I I find that most of them do hold up pretty well. Like it, unless you're looking at like the CGI and all that stuff that's in some of these older films. Yeah. But like the stories almost always you know hold up and everything like that. For sure. Yeah, so uh, I agree. And then what would you say is is your favorite meal right now? Like you're you're in Orlando on a let's say like a, a Friday night or. I don't even know if you stay in Orlando, but it, if you just have a have a craving for for something that you absolutely need to have, what what usually is that? You know, it's a great question. I, I try to hit different spots in Orlando as much as I can. I kind of try. I love trying new food in general, but um, yeah. I would say that the taco scene in Orlando is is, is as good really? better than anywhere else I've ever been. So really, that's that's underrated because that's the first time that I've ever heard yeah, that I about heard Orlando. Say that. Really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, Taco Tina, uh, Black Rooster, um, I'm drawing a blank on a few of the others. Tannin Taco is really good. I mean, really? Goes, we're going to have to write these. these. Yeah, for real. Yeah, we're going to have to go yeah, back we, later. Right? We yeah. only live like an hour and a half, two hours away from Yeah, from we're, we're we're about an hour north of, of Tampa. So we're uh, like Orlando Magic fans, like a, like a satellite campus, I guess, if you will. Nothing wrong with that. Right, exactly. So, uh, b- but let's get uh, back to a little bit more about about you and and um, you know what what exactly like when you're going into you know negotiations with with you know an NBA team. And I know that, like you said, the the rookie contract is you know pretty straightforward, you know, cut and dry. But I know that you know another what are we looking at two to three years possibly. <laughs> I mean, we want to keep mo in orlando for the long haul obviously but i'm sure you're you know doing your homework and you know i'm, I'm sure you have a, a wealth of knowledge about what exactly like kind of goes into that process like is it just what fans think is just you go to to a team with a number and then they come back with a number like what kind of goes into that you know I, i'd be lying if i said we, we've really thought that far ahead okay um, that's what fair I, what, I, what i'd tell you is that i know the nba uh has done an awesome job of structuring those contracts to incentivize the team that drafts the player to be able to keep the player. You know, it, it, there's nothing worse than than, than, a, than a smaller market team feeling like they just don't have a chance to, to land a big star. Um, and, you know, right. So I, I think we've always taken the approach, um, you know, unpack your bag wherever you are in, in, in the moment and, and sort for of sure. like act as if this is where you're going to be for, you know, until, until you hear otherwise. And so, um, you know, that's, that's a big reason why Mo bought a place in Orlando as opposed to, to renting. And Did, did he buy Shaq's house like you wanted to? <laughs> no, that, that, that was not quite in the budget. A little out of the price <laughs> yeah, range? I, I got you. I bet. It's a tad high. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I bought my place down here as well. And, and, you know, we're sort of all in until we hear otherwise. So um, I, I don't like to 
speculate on, on what would what would happen, you know, three years from now and, and how that would work in terms of free agent. I mean, a lot of it is obviously going to be driven by by most performance, right? I mean, his right. Yeah. I, we, we we certainly think he has the potential to be a max guy one day, um, but to get there takes an unbelievable. We're, we're counting effort. on it. <laughs> yeah, we hope so. That's right. And in and, and the front offices too. I mean, that's that's why they drafted him as high as they as they exactly. did. Exactly. They really believe in him. Um, they've been really great uh, supporters of him, and you know, certainly with all the medical stuff this past year, I mean, they were they couldn't have been happier with, with the way they approached it. Um, so, you know, it's it's all about the partnership, and um, you know, we feel we, we feel really good. So, I, I I think it'd be I'd be completely just you know making things up if I said we'd really given given thought to to what three years from now looks like. Right. I didn't plan on asking this question, but since you did kind of bring up Mo's health, can you can you just give us a little crumb of anything about where I mean, I know that uh, Jeff Weltman actually talked this morning. Uh, we're recording this on on Monday, June 17th. But can you tell us at all just how his recovering, you know, his recovery is coming and, and kind of where is he at? Is he back to 100 percent yet or can you give us anything there? Yeah, I mean, you, you never want to say 100 percent because that's, um, you know, especially kids, and I, and I don't, I really mean that word kids, you know, when you're 19 to 23, your bones are still growing. And right, yeah. that was really the genesis of, of the stress fracture itself. I mean, you're, if you look at the history of the past 20 or so guys who have dealt with that exact same injury, every single one of them has been age 23 and under. I mean, I think it just happened to Melvin Frazier, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, that was unfortunate news. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, again, the, the team caught it early and just one of those things that time really heals and you can do a few things to accelerate it in terms of, you know, some of the calcium supplements and, and other things that they do for, for uh, to stimulate bone growth. Um, but it's just, it's just time and you got to let it heal the right, right. way and, and, and that sort of thing. So um, they, they've done that and, and most, most felt really good these past few weeks and he's been sort of full strength and, and um, you know, when he's working out up at the facility and, you know, he's doing some one-on-one stuff, and, and he's put on a lot of a lot of really good weight. Uh, yeah, we can yeah, tell. We've been seeing yeah, some pictures good. on Twitter and stuff. He's looking real big. Yeah. So, you know, but the way the way I look at it, I mean, if you look at the the few different categories in which, okay, how, how does Mobamba improve from year one to year two? It's like, okay, well, there's there's the on-court skill stuff. There's your cardio. There's your strength and conditioning. You know, there's your, you know knowing getting to know the play. You know, really mastering the playbook. You know, while there were a couple months there we had, where he had to reallocate, you know, his on-court stuff to studying the playbook and, and his strength training, you know, just working as much as he can on upper body. Right. You know, you, you can, you're still, you're not super charting those other two categories. And then, you know, the other, the, the cardio and the on-court stuff can, can catch up here later, you know, in the middle of the summer, summer league, and, you know, and, and really be ready for, for the season here this fall. So, you, if you if you manage it the right way, um, you're really not losing too much ground. And so he was, you know, Mo was really good about just kind of reallocating his efforts to the things he, he could work on while he was rehabbing the, the shin and and uh, digging in there. So um, and we're we're happy with it. The, the pictures aren't aren't uh, those aren't Photoshop. He is he's put on Swole a good bomba. 15 plus bomb. That's right. <laughs> right. Well, we appreciate that, Greer. Yeah, the main thing, you know, especially with Mo and also Markel Fultz, like you said, these these guys are still young. You know, they're they're still kids. I mean, me and Will are still kids. Um, but the main thing is, is that you know he's you know doing the right things. That the organization is handling it the right way, and you know we're going to be as patient as we need for those guys. So if you could just pass that along, that you know the Magic fans are still oh, yeah, very sure. supportive of Mo, and we're just happy, you know, it, that he comes back healthy. You know, no, no matter when that is, hopefully it's sooner rather than later but um we are running up on time here we do just want to ask you one last question um about the the lennox partners um that you you and mo i think kind of co-founded um can you just talk a little bit about what exactly that is what is you know your and and mo's goal you know together in that and and what exactly is the mission of, of lennox partners yeah, you know, Lennox Partners is sort of the umbrella entity that manages the various facets of Mo's uh, career, whether it's on, you know, the actual endorsement agreement side and, you know, our endorsement partnerships, um, the community involvement that he has and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, just kind of his foundation. Um, and then his, it's just, a, you know, it's set up like a traditional family office where if he's making investments, you know, or they're making sure we're doing so out of the right vehicles and, you know, getting the, the proper, you know, everything lined up from a tax 
uh, perspective and, and everything else. So it's kind of a, a broader entity that, that has multiple areas of, of focus. Um, but we, we, you know, if you, if you look at the website, it's it sort of structured uh, how a, a typical family office would would structure right. their website. And so, you know, obviously year one when we're still just getting settled in Orlando and that sort of thing, we. It's trying to keep the focus very narrow and, and um, you know, just on, on, the, on the critical things that, that'll, that'll really get in up to speed here as quickly as possible. I haven't been able to, you know, just, just get involved in the community the way a, a Steph Curry or a LeBron James or whoever else would at their point in their career. Um, but yeah, definitely. He's able to do a few things and been able to, you know, obviously any of the um, Yohanna Magic Youth Foundation type things that uh, the team does has been uh, participating in those and, you know, as we as we look to to see who we're going to partner with here over the next several years, I think um, you know Linux Partners is designed to to filter those opportunities to really review and do a lot of diligence and make sure that uh, we're partnering with the right people, uh, whether it's both on the for-profit and non-profit side. Well, you said you know um, talking about the Orlando Magic Youth Foundation and you know Mo being involved with that, um, it's just one of the the mainstays of you know, the organization throughout the years has been when bringing, you know, individuals into the organization that the number one thing is character. So to, to hear you talk about, you know, your and, and Mo's goals as far as helping out in the community, it's just, it's good to know that, that, you know, the magic really are about that and the, the players, but also the people that the players are surrounding themselves by, um, you know, like yourself, you know, helping out with Mo and, and like you, you know, just, way back, you know, 10, 12 years ago, whenever that was when, you know, you met Mo and started the Locked Lions and everything like that. But just want to commend you, you know, and, and Mo for, um, you know, making an effort to, to better, you know, your community and everything like that. But uh, we don't want to keep you too long here, Greer. We just can't thank you enough for being so generous with your time, spending a little bit of time with us to let us, t- you know, and the fans to uh, get to know you better. Yeah. So, um just once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hopefully, you know, we can do this again sometime. Yeah, for sure. I, I appreciate the opportunity and, and uh, would love to stay in touch with you guys. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Greer, yeah, man. We'll, we'll catch you later. Sounds good. Bye now. All right, man. Thank, thank you. you. Have, Have a good, good night. night. You too. All right, guys. That was our interview with Greer Love. We really hope that you guys enjoyed that. We enjoyed the conversation with Greer. Once again, a big thank you for him coming on to the show and, you know, taking the time to talk with us. You know, we got a, a chance to look a little bit deeper into, you know, the kind of, you know, person and, and man that he is and um, some of the goes on and things that he handles uh, when it comes to Mobamba. So just thank you for Greer for coming on to the show. Uh, we really enjoyed that. So um, I'm recording the rest of this here on Sunday, uh, the, the day before uh, this episode is going to be uploaded. So today is June 23rd. So just wanted to talk a little bit more about Chuma and the the draft pick that we made. Will wasn't able to record today, so I, you guys are just gonna hang out with me for a couple minutes here. But so about three days out, you know, you you heard mine and, and Will's feelings immediately after the draft, kind of puzzling. You know, why do we make this pick? What's going on here? And and now that we've had some time to to digest, I think we all mostly can agree that that this really was a good pick. That. We all expected that the front office was going to address, you know, shooting, and, and we did that with Chuma, but um, that we were going to go after like a secondary ball handler, somebody that can contribute, you know, with some scoring in that second unit. But another need that we we did need that you know a lot of us were ignoring when it came to thinking about who this draft pick was going to be was we do need another backup forward. Chances are this summer we're going to lose Jarrell Martin. And then really the only other backup, you know, wing that we have off of the bench is, is really going to be Wes Awundu. So Chuma, yeah, he's not going to be able to play immediately, you know, opening night or anything like that. But it's just, you know, not just an ACL, but, you know, it's an ACL. I think the timetable on that is usually like 9 to 12 months. So I think best case scenario, we're looking at him coming sometime around the All-Star break. And, you know, maybe the, the front office and the coaching staff decides to hold him out for this year and, you know, get him ready for the 2020-2021 season. But overall, you know, this is this is a, a good, solid pick. Now that I've gotten able to sit down and, and do my homework, not only on the type of player he is, but the type of person he is. I mean, if you got a chance to watch that press conference with Chuma, if you have not, make sure you go to the Orlando Magic. I think it's probably on their website by now, but we're on their Facebook page. And, 
and just watch that that press with him. Just seems like a like a great kid, a kid that just can't wait to come in and and start working and you know get to contributing to this team, you know, in, in any way that that he can. But just remember, guys, with this draft pick and, and whatever is going to happen, you know, in, in free agency coming up in just a week here, that we have to trust this front office. You know, Rob Hennigan came in and completely destroyed this this team and. Um, eviscerated the roster, you know, from whatever assets we really had at the time, and and John and Jeff had to basically come in and, and tear what he had done down, and lay a foundation and start over, you know, all over again. So, uh, just give these guys time. Uh, not to sound like a homer, but you know, I know that I speak for myself and also Will when we say that we trust this front office. And with with this, you know, pick at sixteen, I mean. John Hammond was part of the team that that drafted Giannis in Milwaukee, and and Jeff Weltman was a, a big part of all the work that went into uh, Toronto, you know, picking Pascal Siakam, you know, in, in the middle of the first round. So, um, in my opinion, this front office hasn't showed us any signs of anything that we need to be worried about, as far as you know, not trusting what they're doing or really being worried about what they're doing. So, um, just try to, you know. It's not blind faith. I think these guys are showing us that they they know what they're talking about and they you know they're doing a great job. But uh, just try to be patient with the front office. You know, I I think two three years from now we're gonna look back and and we'll be okay with this pick. So um, one thing that we didn't talk about, we were recording the first part of this show during uh, the later stages of that first round. So we ended up trading that forty six pick. Um, just to touch on a few of these things really quick here. Basically, we traded the 46 pick to the Lakers. I think it was for like a future second round pick and some cash considerations. They ended up drafting uh, Taylor Horton Tucker. A lot of people are really upset about this, but Jeff Weltman said during the press conference that the reason they traded the 46 pick is you can only have so much youth on a roster, you know, so many rookies, so many young guys, Aaron Gordon, Isaac, Bamba, Fultz, Wessa Wundu, Chuma, um, you know, adding a, another rookie um, for what this team you know is trying to accomplish moving forward, I just I just don't think um, is the the right move right now. So, uh, just going through the news the last couple of days, a couple of things have happened. So Evan Fournier is still yet to be named to the French national team for the FIBA World Cup that's coming up here in the the later part of the summer. If you guys remember, he was left off the 2016 Olympic roster. He was uh, getting ready to go through like his contract negotiations and everything like that with the Magic. So I I, I don't remember. Um, I know there were some issues with with him and the coach. Like he he didn't commit soon enough or whatever the case may be. But he was left off the 2016 Rio Olympic roster and as of right now still hasn't been been named to the the, the French national team. So that'll be kind of just disappointing if you know Evan doesn't get that opportunity to represent his his country. A uh, few more things that have come out since the draft. It looks like the Magic potentially have some interest in um, at least exploring a possibility with with Bobby Portis. Yeah, I, I, the last, not the last thing that I heard about him, but uh, you know, one of the biggest stories of, of his career so far has him been you know punching uh, Nikola Mirotic you know in the face. So uh, I don't know. By all accounts, seems like a pretty nice guy, but those guys must just not have got along along obviously so we'll see what happens with that and then um basically right after uh the the draft uh Woj was you know reporting that if the Magic can't get a deal done with Vooch this offseason that uh the two teams that are you know pretty interested in him are the Celtics and the Lakers I just can't see another one of our big men uh leaving for the Lakers that would just that would be incredibly disappointing but the Celtics I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. These things always get leaked for a reason. It could just be that Vooch's agent is trying to, you know, gain some leverage, you know, over the Magic when it comes to negotiations. Uh, but we'll see. And then there was a few guys, uh, Derek Pardon, Daquan Jeffries, and Vic Law. Those guys all signed undrafted free agent contracts with the Magic. So, um, admittedly, I know nothing about those guys whatsoever. Uh, right now, they're just names to me. Uh, but I would probably expect that those guys are going to play summer league and probably get uh, invitations to to training camp coming up here in a in a few weeks. Here, I think it was Orlando Magic Daily. It was probably Philip Rossman Reich. Uh, he tweeted out, I believe it was yesterday, that he does not expect Markel Fultz uh, to play in summer league this year. Which 
it, yeah, I, I understand it is a little bit disappointing, a little bit frustrating, but, I mean, we haven't seen anything of this kid. We haven't seen him, you know, shoot a basketball. We haven't seen him really on the court at all. We've seen a few Snapchats and Instagram stories of him in the Magic Practice facility, but I think it's still too early. Hopefully, you know, he'll be ready for training camp and uh, we'll, we'll get to see him some preseason and then hopefully he'll be ready for the start of the regular season. Last note, just want to touch on really quick. The summer league schedule has been released. The Magic are going to play July 5th versus San Antonio, 11 p.m. That'll be on NBA TV. And then July 7th versus Denver at 6 p.m. Eastern. That will be on NBA TV. Then July 9th versus Miami at 4 o'clock p.m. That'll be on ESPN2. And then July 10th versus Brooklyn at 5.30 p.m. on ESPNU. So all of those times I just uh, mentioned are all going to be Eastern Standard Time for those of you who are wondering about that. But, um, yeah, guys, uh, just wanted to touch really quickly on, on the few things there. And with the when it comes to Chuma, you know, we really think that this is going to end up being a great pick. We're excited for him. We all know that the Orlando Magic are going to be very patient with his rehab and everything like that. So when he comes back, he'll be 100% be ready to go. So, guys, uh, just stay patient. It, it's you know We still have a, a few months before the regular season starts. Just going to be a crazy you know next week or so here. So we'll be doing our best to, to cover all that stuff for you guys. And once again, you guys can always hit us on Twitter, Instagram, you know, Facebook, any of those. Shoot us an email if you guys have any questions or, or anything like that. So thank you guys so much for listening. That's going to be it for today. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!